Good morning, Starshine. The Earth says hello. Episode 163. The moon with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. Harold Jennett is now the honorary fourth co-host. That's right. I said it. Wow, we'll have to find out why. Four co-hosts. Who are the other three? <laughs> the I mean, three besides, of us. There's me. You the two, two of guys, us. You two guys are hosts. I'm a co-host. I guess we... No, we're all co-hosts. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought you were referring Wait to, a like, minute. Sage. If there's more than two, can it actually be co? So it'd be tro? It would be quattro. Is, it'd be quattro hosts. Isn't co... Doesn't that denote two? two? Well, let's see. Codependent. That cooperation. Codeine. Are we tri-hosts? Cofine. I would say try host. It sounds better. Try host. Yeah. I would so say now, try host. Now, Harold Jeanette is the honorary quad host. Yeah, wow. I'd like to know what the story is behind him. this because. Oh, you'll find out when I read uh, read his email hey, coming up. I didn't vote for him. Welcome to episode one sixty. I would have if you'd asked my opinion on it. How you guys doing? You guys doing okay? Doing well. I'm tanned, rested, and ready, just like Nixon. I and. Um, how, oh, yeah. how, are you, how are you guys doing? <laughs> We're doing great. Really? Do, after all this time, do I really have to feed you guys the lines? How are you, Brad? I'm super. Thanks for asking. I just haven't used that in a while. I wanted to use it. I didn't know where you were going with that, but I'm amused. Episode 163 of Half Hour Wasted is brought to you by Discount Comic I'm, Book Service. Okay. DCBService.com. Because I was wondering. Um. March solicits are up on the uh, DCB Service website. Wow. Batman, The Return of Bruce Wayne, numbers one and two. You can get them both for 50% off. Did we really have any doubt that Bruce Wayne was coming back? Unfortunately, no. Yeah. We can get into that later. Uh, Avengers number one, you can get for 75% off for that- only 49 cents. Now, is that Wait uh- a second. That means that's a $2 book? Dollar ninety nine. Stop it. For which one? Avengers number one. Oh, that's cool. Well, you would think they would give it to you for ninety nine. Maybe There's that no truck. Way. Maybe that truck wreck um, caused them to have to alter prices. Yeah. Well, you know, there's what four new Avengers titles starting. Well, they're soon? just like kind of wiping the slate clean and restarting, aren't they? I guess. Because if there's one thing you don't get enough of, it's Avengers reboots. That's true. Tell me about it. DCBService.com. Get your Marvel and DC comics for 40% off. Most of them. Some more than that, obviously. Heck yes. And anything in previews. Anything. DVDs. Yeah, can they do t-shirts and stuff? They have apparel section. I didn't know that. You didn't? 
Have you not ever read previews before? Well, hey. no. Can we get them through DCBS? That's Absolutely. what I'm Absolutely. You can order anything in the previews from DCB Service. See, that hey. I didn't know. Hey, speaking of previews, did you guys enjoy your uh, your big night with the uh, the Godfathers? It that went was really well. Awesome. It went really it was well. awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. It was I awesome. I was kind of bummed that uh, did, were I, you I was able to that. Were you able to work your way out of the handcuffs? Yeah. <laughs> The handcuffs, or the mouth yes. cuff, it should be. The handcuffs, yes, <laughs> but the uh, the ball gag, no, that took yeah. a while. All right. Well, everything it's went fine, thanks. Nanotechnology, dang it. DCBService.com. I haven't mastered nanotech. Order your comics that way, and you can save lots of money. All right. Now. On the plus <laughs> side. Um, Let's just read this email real okay. quick. Okay. All right. And then we have a guest holding on the phone. But let's read this email. All right. Okay. No, I'm nervous. <clears throat> well, you heard my liner. I hijacked the liner. Mm-hmm. I said, "Oh yeah, I know." Janet is now the fourth. I was screaming fourth. over here, but um, he had my mic down, so couldn't really tell. We got a nice email from Harold about three days ago. Harold. Hi guys, it sounds like you don't hear feedback very often. I really know how that feels. So I thought I'd sound off on episode episode one sixty one. This okay. isn't in any particular order. Okay, Frank. What happened? I've had a lot of people tell me lately that I might need meds, so you're not alone. <clears throat> it was great hearing Frank completely go off. I don't think I've ever heard him rage like that. I know it wasn't serious anger, but it was still great. Actually made me feel like I was venting. Oh, God, I was <clears throat> I was absolutely, I was under the table over here. Brad, do you edit the sound clips after the show or do it during the show? Mm. If the latter... You are the master. That's an easy question. I am the matter. I mean, Acceptable. you. I am the master. Yes. The right. Except I can't that, talk. That did come out very smoothly. So Why aren't you holding your microphone? I'm looking for artwork for the banner. You're Facebooking already, aren't no, you? No, I'm, I'm looking for artwork for a banner. Yes, Harold, He's, I do it on the fly. <laughs> He's wondering what Mr. Van Skyver's up to. Yeah. Good evening. Oh, hey. Good evening. Okay. Wow, that's. I really didn't Harold, think sometimes Harold would it works, like sometimes that. it doesn't. Now, let me let me finish. Yes. This was one of my favorite episodes. I liked hearing an honest discussion between you guys and your concern for Frank. By the way, Frank, I'm dealing with some issues myself, and I don't know how to fix them either. Uh-huh. Making some headway on some days, others not so much. I have I see. I have, Harold, uh, let's join. Let's start a club. <laughs> I have a suggestion for you guys. My guess is that, is that both you, Frank, and you, Harold, out there. Yes, I'm talking to you, Harold. Harold. I think you guys have too Jennifer. many. You have too many Thetans. <laughs> I don't know so you is. need to pay whatever price Satan with a it list. takes. Oh, Satan! You've got to get the evil warlord Zorg from across the galaxy. You've got to get his uh, his his ghost minions out of your bodies. I don't I don't know what you're talking. Hmm? About. All right, hey, I need to finish this email, okay. and, and now's a good time for me to interrupt you. Okay, because <clears throat> hey, I I had about ten more minutes worth of material. I, I know, but the this That's email, the rest of this email. Oh, there's more. The rest of this email is directed at I you. I should. Oh. Okay. So just. You know what? For the duration of the rest of the email, I'm actually going to pull your microphone down. Okay. Okay. It's down. <clears throat> um, my only negative comment is one I've been hesitant to mention for a while. <laughs> but I think you guys want honesty, so here goes. And Harold, this is what made you honorary quad host of Half Hour Waste. Harold goes on. I love you, Bill, 
but please stop interrupting so much. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. It really ruins the show for me sometimes. Also, let Brad and Frank interrupt you. I know this sounds hypocritical, but hear me out. <clears throat> sometimes you'll talk for quite a while, and when they try to get a word in, you just keep talking. That said, I like you on the show, but I also like Frank and Brad on it, too. I hope I'm not hurting feelings here. You guys are one of my favorite podcasts. I haven't been able to listen to podcasts as much as I used to or post on the forums as much because of work, but Half Hour Wasted is one I try to make time for. Harold. And now your mic's up. And Bill has not even picked his <laughs> mic up. It's laying on the... Harold, uh, you are my new favorite listener <laughs> and honorary quad host of Half Hour Wasted. Now, having said all that, Bill has arranged something special for us. Oh, okay. And that's the subject of today's show. Bill, can you do this? Are you are you up I'd, for it? I'd, uh, <laughs> I guess. I mean, should I? <laughs> yes. Should I even bother at this point? Hey, think back about the way you felt before I read that email and go with that. I was feeling. actually pretty happy with myself. Okay, now go with that. I didn't realize I interrupted that much. We have somebody on the phone. Who is it? It's what I get for... Not listening to the show, I guess. <laughs> Who is it? Who's or on the phone? Providing with us? content for it. We have um, uh, we have a gentleman who uh, uh, I assume he's gentle. Uh, don't know him that well, but um, he started corresponding with us a little while ago, and uh, we finally gotten our schedules uh, together. Um, this gentleman who has uh, just released a, uh, a new movie, and uh, I believe this kind of an indie movie. Um, uh, gentleman in question, his name is Blake Harris. And, uh, Blake, how you doing this evening? Uh, very good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for, thanks for hanging in there. That took a while to get to you. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I almost interrupted Frank there. <laughs> <laughs> but I, ha I had to get that in for Bill. <laughs> yeah. I had to bring, we had to bring Bill down a notch. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have to go back and start listening to some old episodes and critiquing myself or something, because... If I hadn't read that email, Blake, Frank and I would not be able to say one word to you tonight. What, in my case, it's fine, because I have this weird cough that that's triggered by me actually speaking but uh we're, we're glad you're here with us tonight blake well thanks guys i want to say i think the tri host sounds much better than quad host you know um i okay. think it, i think it was yeah, um i think it was Harold. the chicago bulls that that uh co not coin but the, but they copyrighted the phrase three peat so maybe we should pat riley pat riley so maybe we should uh um uh, take that phrase and make it our own um tri host tri host Try host if Good. it's not used already. How do you copyright something, Blake? How do you uh, how do you copyright something? Um, I don't know. Uh, we did that for a movie, though. That's kind of what I was going for. I mean, the, you, your movie is copyrighted. I'm assuming it is copyrighted. They uh, they got my name right. They got my writing partner's name very wrong. Really? There's a conspiracy going on. Good but heavens! How do you copyright something? You send uh, send money to the government. And they uh, put it in some box somewhere and never look at it. I don't really know how any litigation would go forward, but it costs huh. like 25 bucks. Really? That's <laughs> it? That's tremendous. I, mean, I hear you can incorporate for $25. So there's a lot of tips and tricks out there. What we need, we need uh, for the fourth co-host, we need Matthew Lesko. Who's because that? Because he could, he could get us all the way through this governmental red tape. <laughs> Who's that? Come on, ask Lesko. I don't know who that is. He's the dude with the movie. question marks all over his jacket that's not the Riddler. Oh, you see him on the, late um, night? Yeah. yeah, he has Come that on. book. Come on. I don't watch TV. Mm. 
I'm hey, trying to help. <laughs> so, Blake, so uh, tell us, what is the ti- title of your movie? What's the name of your movie? It's called The Flying Scissors. And, and how are you uh, involved with it? Well, I mean, are you, are you the director, the producer, the writer, all done? I'm the uh, writer and the producer. Great. Fantastic. What, uh, um, I'm curious, uh, uh, I, we're going to, we're going to scatter shoot quite a bit. So, you know, please bear with us, uh, Blake. And if you want to help direct this in any direction, you know, please, you know, um, you know, grab us by the horns and kind of steer us one way or the other. Um, but, um, so, uh, so you wrote this, um, along with a, uh, uh, Jonah Tulis. Is that right? Yeah, Jonah is my business partner, my writing partner, my heterosexual life partner. Basically, the amount of time we spend together. Fantastic. So, uh, we do a lot of stuff together. BFF. That's great. Every yeah. everybody should have one. Um, well, this uh, uh, the flying scissors. Now it says uh, the release date on IMDb uh, is listed as sixth uh, of November '09. Uh, was that correct? Because I thought that it was just getting released uh, now. Well, we had a very small limited theatrical release on November 6th. And uh, then after that, or maybe a little before that, we had sold the movie to Warner Brothers to be released digitally. And uh, this week it came out into 50 million homes available on demand. So that's a much more significant release than the one we had in November. That's and awesome. the one that we're really excited about. How well, cool is that? Now, is that a particular... Um uh, is that uh, FiOS or AT&T U-verse, or is that a DirecTV or something, or is this a- across multiple platforms? Across multiple platforms. We got uh, an email from the company that we're working with, Gravitas, who uh, made the deal with Warner Brothers, and it should be on you know, Comcast, Cablevision, Time Warner. It should be on all of them. It might change regionally, but he said 50 million homes, so a lot of places. Okay, well, uh, Blake. Um, so the movie's name is Running Scissors. Why don't, why don't you uh, tell everyone, everyone who's listening, to plot? Can I interrupt? What is this movie about? Yeah, now, 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 now you can interrupt. <laughs> is this a good time to interrupt? <clears throat> yes, please do. It's, it's the Flying Scissors. Perfect interrupt. Oh, what I call um, it? You call it the Running Scissors. Uh, <laughs> you, apparently, you're like all hung up on Schwarzenegger or something right now. <laughs> so yeah, so give us a plot. So as someone who wants to see this movie, why? Uh, what's it about? All right, the Flying Scissors. It's a uh, Comedy is a mockumentary about competitive rock, paper, scissors. It is commonly confused with running with scissors, which I thought was a very good book and a movie that I couldn't get through. But it definitely, for years, when our movie, you know, nothing had happened with it, and people would ask, what's the name of the movie? It's Flying Scissors. They'd say, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. That's good. It's like, no, no, you heard of running with scissors. I'm like, oh, yeah. Commonly <laughs> so, confused with running with scissors. Um, about competitive rock, paper, scissors. Basically, in this uh, fictitious world, the National Rock, Paper, Scissors League thinks this is the year that rock, paper, scissors is going to become like the fourth major sport in America. So uh, they put a lot of effort into trying to make this the year that really blows up. And uh, in this world, there's 32 regional winners from around the country, and we follow up with about eight of them and watch them as they train and go through trials and tribulations of a professional RPS athlete leading up to the big event that's supposed to be at Madison Square Garden on May 14th, the day that Seinfeld ended a long time. The day what? May 14th, the day that Seinfeld ended. <laughs> really? <laughs> was that was that picked for any particular, was it picked for that reason, or just that just happens? No, it's picked, I don't know. I, my, my college essay, my college admittance essay was about May 14th, the last day of Seinfeld, and 
but it always sticks with me, uh, sadly. Okay. <laughs> That's beautiful. Now, uh, uh, where where do you currently uh, uh, reside, uh, Mr. Blake? I I, uh, I kept uh, corresponding with Blake uh, um, about uh, getting the show up and going, and I kept saying, hey, maybe we'll call you at uh, like 7 p.m. Central Standard Time because I didn't know if I was calling Hawaii or Newfoundland or you know anywhere in between. So where are you? Where are you from? I'm in I'm in New York. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Um, yeah, and, um, I'd like to apologize for you uh, uh, missing the first uh, hour of the uh, uh, the Oscars. By the way, well, I didn't want to ask you. So does it start there at eight or eight thirty uh, Central Time, or does it go on the East Coast time? Now I think it's. I want to say I. I don't know. My uh, the the lovely uh, professor has not uh, turned the channel uh, to uh, um, to the Oscars yet. I thought it started at uh, seven our time. The red carpet started at seven. Yeah, why aren't Why are you there, Brad? Shouldn't you be well, there with a three sixty camera? That's an interesting story. Actually, that deal uh, was in the works, but it didn't go through. So, oh. um, uh, what's your all opinion of the Oscars? Are you guys fans? Are you curious who's going to win, or you don't care at all? Um, I'm. Uh, this is Frank. I am. I am mildly curious. Um, for you know, I have some friends right now that are having a party, an Oscar party. You, you know. I'm I'm voting for I think uh, Hurt Locker is probably going to win Best Movie, but uh, uh, Cameron will get Best Director. That's my pick. Nice, and I'm one of those that uh, I I appreciate uh, I appreciate the awards. I will definitely uh, scour the uh, uh, the newspaper tomorrow if I don't uh, watch some of it tonight. Uh, it's one of those that it's it's not a national holiday for me. Um, I, uh, I'm interested in it, but uh, it doesn't mean I'm going to be locked in front of the TV for three and a half, four hours. I used to be of the mind when I was able to watch m- many more movies than I am now. Yes. <clears throat> I, I cared to watch the Oscars more than I do now. Um, in the past several years, it's been mainly movies that I've never seen that have been nominated for best picture. Right. Um, I'm pulling hard for District Nine this year. Okay, you know, and but I'm smart enough to know that that was just a wink and a nod. It's not gonna. Yeah, well, I've I've still got. Uh, it's not gonna win, but it's it's still on. Uh, it's still on my uh, my cabinet. I I've got it uh, got it on Blu-ray from Blockbuster and still haven't seen it. Perhaps I'm getting old and and uh, crotchety, but I I find award shows to be um, less and less meaningful. Uh, but the only reason I would watch tonight is. Is because Alec Baldwin and Steve Martin are hosting. I I find award shows overall difficult to watch. It's there's something about doesn't matter if it's Grammys, doesn't matter if it's Ace Awards, doesn't matter what it is. I just can't. It's very difficult for me to to care about it, about them. What about you, Blake? Do you like do you look forward to the Oscars every year? Being a filmmaker, uh, no, I'm of the same mindset. I. I, I don't, I'm kind of confused by why they're so important. I, I, I will. I am going to. Uh, I've recorded it, and I'm going to watch it for sure because Alec Baldwin and Steve Martin are unbelievably hilarious. But I, I don't know. I mean, so if, I guess I guess your name goes down in history if you win. But I don't really see what all the suspense and drama is for. Yeah. I mean, they made these movies. These movies are good. They're going to stand on their own two feet for however many years, and. Uh, I just think it's very interesting that a, a group of peers gets together and says, hey, let's give each other a bunch of awards. And you know yeah. what? People are going to really want to watch this. Yeah. I mean, it seems a bit of a supposition to me, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just me. 
Um, I mean, I would watch any – I like sports. I would watch any sporting event, watch any two teams play each other, someone's going to win. But like you said, someone's going to win this because people got in the room and decided to pick someone to win it, and they know before the show who wins. I just find that. Yeah. Well, they, but there's a lot of pageantry involved. And, Isn't that I kind mean, of the way elections work, though? Yeah. Somebody oh, knows uh, who won before they announce it. Um, women, you know, women wear their their fancy dresses, and and girls seem to like that. I, you know, I'm not sure why why guys really watch it. You know, maybe the competitive side of it, but it's just for I my think for my side, it's just award shows are just a little kind of boring. Well, the answer is the swimsuit competition. That's why you watch. Mm. So I, when when is the swimsuit Selma competition Harris. tonight? If, if the Oscars had a swimsuit competition, yes. I'd be watching it because some of the most beautiful well, improve- women would be. I mean, they they need to. That's how they could jazz this Oscars thing up. They could Having turn said into that though. We'd probably have to see James Cameron in the. You know what? I'm not I too would, excited about I, that. No, I would no, do I, that just just for the for the hilarity of it. I it would. would be, uh, I'd like to. I hear, mean, John Goodman in the speedo. Come on. I'd like to hear someone ask uh, James Cameron uh, if he could pick like three ways to you know fix the world. You know, how would he do it? And you know, maybe we'd get some kind of Miss uh, South Carolina moment out of him. <laughs> well, he would say, "Well, we'd make everything digital." That would be it. <laughs> I think if there was any sort of uh, like Q and A or any any new information that came out, I would be even more interested in it. You know, if James Cameron won and he talked about what it means he was going to originally do and how that changed, or like somebody asked him, how would he change the world? I don't know. Something that really interesting to see and unexpected. Would be cool. Well, um, leaving the Oscars and going on to your movie now, talking about your movie, and before we talk about the production and how you got started, I wanted to get your now that you're a filmmaker, now that you have a movie out there, are you concerned about piracy? Are you are you are you like? Do you have a different view about about your movie maybe being pirated and and you not getting the revenue from it that that you should? Um, I, for this particular movie, I don't think so. Really, I I mean, of course, I would rather somebody purchase it, but the ultimate goal here is to have people see it and enjoy it, and. Uh, Maybe that's because it's a lower-budget movie, and you know, we haven't put millions of dollars into it that we're trying to recoup. But uh, see, I, I would think that it being lower budget, money would be more of a concern here because you know you're hoping to recoup something. That's true, yeah. but I guess uh, a big reason that John and I put this movie together was to try and showcase our writing abilities or the abilities we hope that we have. <laughs> so. I think that it really is unique to this particular movie, and if we were to, uh, you know, for our next movie, I think I would be more sensitive to the idea of it being pirated. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, I, I would assume, and you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you know, the idea uh, winning the game right now is getting your good name out in front of hopefully millions of people. You know, getting people to to know the the name uh, Blake Harris and to say, hey. You know, that dude made another movie. You know, I want to see it. I don't care what it is. Right, exactly. It's like getting someone to do drugs. Yeah. yeah. Not for free. Then you start charging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because when you're starting out, the whole, the whole point is, is market penetration and, uh, yeah. you know, visibility and, you know, marketability and, you know, I don't know, throw some more buzzwords at me if you want. <laughs> That's but. why we do this for free. We're not getting paid for this. Yeah. Good point. But we're hoping somebody... Of course, I'm kidding. I don't know <laughs> when what, I say I'm hoping yeah. somebody hears us and says, uh, yeah. those guys are pretty good. Uh, we, gotta, we need to syndicate those boys. <laughs> now, do you hate the word mockumentary? Yeah, I don't really like the word. What? And, uh, a couple of years ago, I just started calling it a comedy and then hoping that it would just 
become one because I said it. But yeah, still a mockumentary. I don't really like the word. Would you? I, I, is there besides you said comedy? But is there another word you'd like to coin to describe oh. it? Is there um, a laughumentary, uh, a commentary, comedymentary? I don't know. I mean, I think the mockumentary. <laughs> pretty accurate label i just the word mock sounds so negative yeah mock. yeah i give you that it, it, it there is a, there's a negative side to it yes but you know when i think of spinal tap i think of the word mockumentary but yeah. but not in a negative way and and i don't see it as a negative word a negative word and i was just curious as to what as to what you thought it because in all of our correspondence i don't believe you've ever used that word mockumentary to describe this movie yeah maybe I think of the mockumentary, people tend to look down upon it. So maybe that negative stigma has resulted in my negative feelings towards the word. You know, I, I would kind of debate that term because I, I, I don't think I've never seen anything. I don't know. Whenever I see the words mockumentary, I know what I'm in for. I, and yeah. I don't. And, you know, it, it's a com- it's supposed to be a comedy. So I, I get that. I think comedy is, is also an accurate uh, term for this movie as well. Yeah, and you know what? I honestly, I would not consider this a mockumentary. I mean, I, I understand why someone might say that, but um, I just, I don't think this, this doesn't feel like, you know, Spinal Tap or, you know, any of those movies you that's don't, true. You, you don't necessarily want to be, you know, compared to. No, that's true, and, and that's a good point. It, I don't think it's fair to, <clears throat> to characterize this movie. <coughs> pardon me. In that in that way, and I, and I agree with you, Bill. Yeah, because it did uh, to me. Uh, um, it it you know it, it clearly does have uh, uh, its its particular style, um, but uh, but yeah, it it didn't seem like it was necessarily reliant on the style. It still felt like uh, the comedy was a uh, you know the, the quality of, of the story was a result of your writing, not a you know not a result of the situation. Yeah, I mean it's you know, at least that was that was my opinion. What what is the office? I never hear people call that a mockumentary. I guess that's a lot of sit down interviews, and then or at least earlier on, um, it was. I I have heard it referred to as as a mockumentary when it first started. Uh, now just people seem to call it a, a a comedy. Well, it's just it's like many things. I mean, it's just this is a a style that I mean, it started you know, it started a long long time ago, but. You know, as the style, I, I guess you know Ricky Gervais and Steve Carell have kind of you know brought into the mainstream. I think that that, that particular subcategory is you know you could kind of dissolve that, and it just kind of belongs in the uh, in the comedy uh, genre. Uh, it doesn't necessarily uh, uh, have to have that uh, that extra label attached to it. That's a that's a good question, Blake. Um, trying to remember if I've actually ever heard The Office referred to in that manner, and. I don't actually know that I have. I'm not saying it hasn't, but I'm I'm now I'm thinking of the new show that's out called Parks and Recreation. When I yeah. hear people describe it, yeah. I hear them say, "Oh, it's an office knockoff. It's an office ripoff." Okay. Like it's shot in a the office manner or whatever. Yeah. You know, I've never heard it referred to as a mockumentary. Okay. Yeah. So people, uh, 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 the good, strong listeners of Half Hour Waste are probably getting the idea now that this movie is uh, is done mm-hmm. in a particular style. And mm-hmm. they're probably smart enough to figure out what general style this movie is uh, is being uh, produced as. Um, so that's, uh, that's really cool. My, um, I guess my, my, big, uh, my big home run question is, uh, 
so why exactly did you make this movie? Is this something that yourself and Jonah have been dreaming about since you were kids growing up, you know, or is this something, was this a cold calculated decision that you thought this played to your strengths or, or why did, so why did you make this movie? Well, it's kind of interesting how it all came about. Jonah and I grew up in the same town in Chappaqua, New York. Um, he was a year older than me, which was maybe the biggest difference in the world back then. Yeah. So we were never really, like, uh, you know, we weren't friends growing up. We knew of each other. We maybe even disliked each other a little, but we were... Uh, <laughs> disliked uh, fight, each fight, other. Fight, fight. <laughs> how, did you, how did you get from disliking each other to making a movie with each other? <laughs> I feel like if you... Yeah, I mean, if you see somebody a lot and you're not friends with them, you start to, like, kind of dislike them. Like, who's that guy that's always there? Um, Why does he think he's so cool standing there in his Levi jeans? My father both on the same slow-pitch softball team in Chappaqua. Wow. Where they throw the ball underhanded and, you know, you get four outfielders. So all growing up, we would always see each other there, not not talk, but, oh, hey. (laughs) Not talk. You're cracking me up. Okay. So what happened? Did you guys take the Step Brothers quiz and find out that you were best friends? Yeah. Um, little did we know that was uh, forming the roots of a great friendship and business partnership. Nice. And, uh, when we were, when you, you have to be 18 to play on that team, so Jonah eventually played on the team, and then I followed in his footsteps, and we both played on the team. And it was such a funny experience to be playing low-pitch softball. The, I mean, Chappaqua is a pretty well-to-do town, so most of the people involved were professionals, doctors, lawyers, writers, whatever. And they would, like, regress into children, and they would take it so seriously. And we just really wanted to capture that in some form. <laughs> just the idea of, like, like in a way, it was really pathetic, but in a way, it was so admirable to see a 40-year-old guy just, you know, have this idealistic, we got to win the game, guys. <laughs> and, you know, tomorrow he's, he's giving a root canal or... <laughs> he's doing a triple bypass surgery or he's investing millions of dollars. But right now, all he cares about is hitting the slow-pitch softball and winning the game. <laughs> nice. Okay, now I can tell you that that, that spirit uh, does absolutely uh, resonate uh, through this uh, this film. Because you're, you're, it's, I kind of wonder, um, you know, I think I know the answer to this, but, you know, you should answer it. Um, you know, do you like or do you hate these characters? I love these characters. I, I really like all of them. I and that's definitely a huge part of my bias for the movie now. Is I just every time I see them, I you know my eyes light up. Which <laughs> after all these years of editing, maybe it shouldn't. But I just I I really like all these characters as flawed or nice or sad as they are. Yeah, and it's just yeah. I mean, you you got a a, a pretty decent cross section there. Um, why now? Um, how did you come up with the character design, you know, uh, for, for all these uh, these disparate characters? Just, I mean, is this stuff where, you know, hey, man, I, you know, my, my brother-in-law was kind of like this, and, you know, that dude working at the grocery store reminds me of this guy. I mean, were you, you know, did you take inspiration uh, from anywhere, or was this uh, uh, just a, a product of uh, cold academia? As we started to actually talk about the possibility of really just doing this and not just talking about it on the softball bench, it kind of really started to feel like a like a satire in the state of sports to me. And particularly, this was when poker was getting very popular. Oh, man. So, we were, you know, I can see some of the, the poker celebrities were women who seemed to be attractive, and that was like their best asset, or a young kid who was famous for being 
the fact that he was young, and that was definitely where the idea started to germinate for the characters. One of the more interesting characters, though, is uh, the character Phil Stevens, who the movie opens with him. He's a stay-at-home dad. He's a, you know, a little pathetic. He's a, he lost his job. He stays home all day playing with his kid. Video games is a big part of it. It's a rock, paper, scissors training. Um, and this was kind of not, but he's, but he's very likable. And this character was kind of modeled after the shortstop on our team, who is a very successful guy. But uh, he's, he's, we always ask him what he did because he's a stay-at-home dad, and he talks to professional services. And he's, like, seemingly very successful and a very smart guy, but he would stay at home all day with his kid, and we thought, you know, he'd have plenty of time to practice rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> um, so originally when we did the movie, you know, we were going to do it for very, 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 very cheap. And we thought that this guy would play himself. And uh, then as we finished the script and people started to react very positively to it and started to put some money together, uh, it looked less and less likely that he would be a part of it. And we got the guy Mason Pettit, the actor Mason Pettit, who was in the singular commercials during the NCAA tournament. That's where I've seen him. Okay. Thank you. Light bulb. Ding. Yeah. We actually were were watching the NCAA tournament as we were writing it. And we would love to get that guy. And he was actually interested in doing it. So we kind of pushed out the guy who we modeled it after and put in an actor, which in itself is pretty normal. You know, you, you model characters off people and then professionals play it and take it another level. But where it kind of got a little tricky was, um, obviously, because this is a low-budget movie, we relied heavily on favors, and we shot a good deal of it in Chappaqua. And this character ended up living in the house where the guy, the shortstop, lived. So we, like, <laughs> took over his house. God dang, come on. I mean, insult to injury, geez. So does your shortstop get a credit in this movie or anything? Sorry, uh, you cannot play the part of yourself. But we are going to have the guy who is playing that part. Like, you're a jerk. (laughs) Keep going, I'm sorry. Um, And, you know... the movie started, when production started, it was just like 100 miles per hour. Things were flying at us so fast. Um, you know, we we're trying to tie up all those ends, and we needed a kid for the guy. So we ended up using the shortstop kid to play okay. the kid of the guy who was flying himself. So we really <laughs> just took over his life. And and he was one. not a part of it either, so that was a... Well, at the very end in the tournament, he's an extra. Mm-hmm. Okay. I bet, I bet you showed up at his house one day to shoot, and he was sitting in the corner... You know, curled up in the fetal position, sucking his thumb, talking to himself. <laughs> yeah. And of course, he started. Hey, guys, guess what? I'm going to be in a movie. They're basing a character on a movie, and then it changes. <laughs> hey, they got an actor to play me, but they're going to use my. Hey, they're using my kid. Hey, I'm not even in the movie. <laughs> oh. yeah. he, he took it very well, though. He's a great guy, and they let us. We ended up treating a lot of stuff in their house, so we we're extremely grateful to the Bayer family for letting us take their identities and their children. Nice. Now, how long, uh, how long did you have their house uh, uh, taken over? We shot, I think, three and a half days there. We shot all of the Phil Stevens stuff there, and then we used their basement to shoot all the scenes from Maddie Sims, who's the recent college graduate who just moved back home and lives <laughs> in a futon. Yeah. Parents have, um, where he's woken up rudely by his trainer, Mac, 
over the hill alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we we got our Cadillacs up there, and they were very helpful. Yes, I, I in no way mean to compare your your film to any other film, but uh, yeah, whenever I saw that trainer, all I could think was, if you could dodge a wrench, you could dodge a ball. <laughs> I thought of uh, <laughs> I thought of Rocky Balboa's. Yeah, trainer. You gotta eat lightning and crap thunder. I'm not gonna catch a Rocky. Definitely a precedent for the old crotchety, knowledgeable character whose life is falling apart. I think that I think that old man did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a scene in the movie without giving anything away uh, that that was really funny. It's um it's where a character emulates a, a very famous scene in a movie, but then uh, you have some text on the screen that explains that that the lawyers of that movie <laughs> yeah. wouldn't let you. <laughs> show that scene because it infringed on their copyright. There, there's, um, there's a very funny uh, story about uh, the animated TV show Clerks where something very similar happened. And, um, and I was wondering, how did that scene come about? And is, is it based on anything? Was that, did that really happen? Or did you base it on that Clerks incident? Or I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Well, I do like the Clerks TV show, but I did not know that there was a similar incident. I know we I, we were obviously very naive going into this. Uh, we didn't really realize how well, music licensing would be, um, and we, you know, he really did sing the song. And uh, well, I guess I don't want to give anything away, but and then later we found out, oh crap, we can't use that song. How can we try to salvage? <laughs> oh wow, that's perfect. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. What happened to the clerk situation? Um, so <clears throat> I'll, I'll explain the scene. They they did an episode where they they uh, mocked up um, the movie Outbreak, and okay. Al Pacino is in the movie. So uh, this person has a dream or uh, does one of those calculations in his head where he in where he envisions Al Pacino plus a monkey equals Outbreak which I think was the movie that they were making fun of. And um, originally, one of the writers had said, wouldn't it be funny if we said that we had to use Al Pacino, we couldn't use Al Pacino's likeness, so we had to use uh, Andy Garcia's likeness in the <laughs> equation and then dub over Al Pacino's name and say Andy Garcia and then put this little thing about the lawyers made us do this. Um, but they said, no, 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 we'll just get Al Pacino's picture. Well... Al Pacino really did protest it, so they ended up going back to that same idea of using Andy Garcia's face and then dubbing in the voice. Instead of saying Al Pacino, they go, Andy Garcia. <laughs> so it, it's, it, it's just a very, very funny, funny, funny scene. Wow. So uh, uh, you, uh, you've you got, um, yeah, I mean, this isn't like an episode of The Love Boat, but uh, you've got uh, a, a a number of actors in uh, in this movie that are real live, you know, working actors, and congratulations for that. Uh, that's that's pretty uh, pretty rare for a uh, yeah. I thought that was a freshman, uh, you know, attempt. I thought yeah. that was pretty awesome. You know, every once in a while, I go, I know that guy. Yeah, you know, I've seen him before. My my favorite character in the movie is uh, the man uh, Frank Johnson. I'm I'm with you. The divorcee lives in the messy apartment. He yeah. takes a job as a <laughs> part time job as a real estate agent. Um, but yeah, man. Where have I seen that guy before? I think Todd Bussman has been in every single television show from the 1990s. Yes. He was, uh, <laughs> he, he was the uh, voice of 
a radio announcer on MASH, I believe. So really? Nice. Okay. He's also the uh, Mitsubishi Motors guy. That's one yep. of the things. Yep, yeah. yep. I mean, a lot of these actors, um, they're all New York-based, so a lot of them do voiceover work. The uh, Mason Pettis, we discussed earlier, plays Phil Stevens. He's the voice of uh, USA, Gatorade. Uh, they, they all do a lot of voices, so you're probably somewhat familiar with them. But like you said, we really absolutely lucked out with the cast. I think that, I mean, the writing, I like to think, is pretty good in the movie, but it, it is kind of a... A gimmicky idea, and they really took it from being a spoof, and they just they they owned it. They really they made it great. They, yeah, um, and and you know you you could tell that uh, that the actors were extremely invested in this. But uh, so that leads to uh, to one of my uh, big questions was how heavily scripted was this? I mean, in this day and age of of uh, the the Judd Apatow, you know, uh, uh, you know, the Seinfeld in. Okay, here's a plot. There's no script. Run with it. Um, you know, are these guys working off teleprompters? Uh, you got cue cards in the background? Are they just giving some bullet points? I mean, how how did you uh, how do you literally work the words that these people were saying? I mean, we we had like a you know, a standard hundred and fifteen hundred and twenty page script that uh, all the actors memorized, and and Jonah did a really good job because obviously all of them were talented enough to ad lib some stuff. But we you know we did a few takes straight, and then Jonah would give them some ideas or ask them to go with their instincts. Uh, so the majority of it is is pretty scripted, even though they ad lib some great stuff. But probably just for editing purposes, it, we kept it pretty similar to the script. Though uh, some of the like little monologues and rants were all theirs, and they're very funny. Okay, well, good for uh, you guys because it, it seems like the that that Apatow like, uh, hey, here's some bullet points, go for it. It is kind of. It feels like it's becoming almost a uh, maybe crutch is too strong a word, but it seems like people rely on that these days, almost to the exclusion of actually writing a movie. And uh, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but that's just kind of the way it feels to me. Can I tell you what my favorite scene in the movie was? Sure. Uh, it's the phone call from the coin toss guy <laughs> to the rock paper scissors executive. And by the way, that that executive. Uh, with the gray hair, he, you know, it was the two executives. Um, I love that guy. I don't, I don't know. Was he? Was he? He's not part of the Arkin family. Uh, his, his name is. Uh, um, he's, he's, uh, he's brother of Adam, son of Alan. Right? I was wondering. Cool. Yeah, he's yeah. he was really good and uh, he was funny in this movie, but the whole phone call from the coin toss guy yeah. to the to the. Uh, the, the Cortez guy, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and he gets on the phone and and he acts like the secretary. That was that just made me laugh. I thought that was really well done and funny. Yeah, if we uh, you know having having so much time after completing the movie and it being the first movie, a lot of time to think about it and wonder what we would have done differently. I I really wish that we had gotten some more scenes with the coin toss consortium because I think that was a great. Rivalry to the rock paper scissors. That was one of my favorite concepts in the movie. Is that I think it was brilliant. Is that the is the the rock paper scissors league does have rivals? Yeah. What, if if rock if rock paper scissors could be taken as seriously as it was, yeah. Why couldn't a coin toss? You know, or or I, I loved him yeah. trying to explain how a coin toss could be so nuanced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was that was actually pretty. That that was very good writing because you really did break down some yeah. things about coin tossing that I would have never considered. But that was, was just like 
<laughs> you was hear def- it, and it's just like, yeah, that's that makes sense. That was definitely my favorite scene <laughs> in the movie. Um, talking about just movie production, some of the boring stuff. Let's talk about financing and stuff like that. How did that? How did that come about? Originally, originally it was something that Joan and I planned to do for a few thousand dollars, and we would finance on our own. So it went from basically being a few thousand dollar movie that was going to star the guy from the softball team to something that's still a very low budget movie, but a lot more money than we had or what to necessarily spend. Uh, and a big part of that was had to do with the cast. We were originally going to do a non-SAG project and just have, like, friends and some people we knew who acted play the parts. Um, but we were able to get set up with a great casting agent, Elizabeth Jameson, and she said that she loved the script. She thinks we can make a funny movie, but it would have to be all SAG, which would cost us a lot more. Um, and and, so and was, just, just for our audience, what, when you say all SAG, what does that mean? There are certain SAG rates that you have to pay SAG actors. Mm-hmm. This was a SAG ultra-low budget movie, which means it was a movie for under $1,000. But you still have to pay certain rates, but then you have to pay overtime, and you have to pay certain insurances. So it really adds up a lot. I mean, it's still a good, fair deal, but it really becomes a more expensive movie. Yeah. So we decided the... She, th- she basically told us some of the people who she thought we might be able to get, which are we were stunned at, you know, people that we had seen on TV shows before, um, a lot of the guys from the guys that you recognize but never really started and stuff. And so we decided at that point that we would throw in our life savings. I had uh, I had been working for a company named Femat trading sugar at a sugar. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, you're you're a sugar, and, sugar magnet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, after I graduated college, I uh, was in the sugar game. and uh, Nice. That's a rough game, I hear. I mean, they don't play fair in the sugar industry. That's, a, <laughs> that's just what I've heard. And uh, so I saved up a bunch of money that I planned to use for film school. Um, and I ended up spending that money on the movie, as did Jonah had saved up money as well. And so we both kind of went all in. And... Uh, I remember the first time, first night we were watching Casting Tape. That was really when we felt like, wow, this is going to be an actual movie. And we were very excited. And then all along the way, it was just, I mean, I would call it a money pit, except that I wouldn't change anything about it and I would do it all over again. Nice. But it's just like, I mean, I imagine it's kind of like planning a wedding. Every step of the way, there's a chance to go cheap, more expensive, extremely expensive. You know, you can just, there's just so many tears, and you feel on the one hand as like a creative person, like I want this to be the best it can be, but you also have to say, you know, like we only have a certain amount of money. We also want to try to maybe make back that money, um, and it's hard sometimes to scale back. But uh, very early on, we started to work. We uh, brought in a third producer in the movie named Jonathan Weiner, who was a friend of mine from college, and he helped us arrange for some outside financing, and so the three of us kind of uh, put together all the money and uh, then whenever we went a little bit over budget but we were able to chip in ourselves and uh, yeah now it's nice to finally start getting some money back nice so it uh, sounds to me like uh, your uh, your film school um, you you went to film school while you're making a yeah. movie um, <laughs> I mean you know I, I can tell you as someone who uh, uh, went to a, a 
uh, a tech school, uh, an audio, you know, an audio uh, video film tech school, that uh, a lot of times, you know, the, you know, you do learn a lot of really cool stuff, you know, in a, you know, in a nice high quality school like that. But for the most part, um, graduating from a tech school or, you know, I mean, it could be, heck, it could be, you know, UCLA or, or you know, anywhere. Um, the whole point is to uh, give you enough gravitas to get your foot in the door to prove to people that you know what you're doing well i think you've got your resume <laughs> you know, you've got you've got yeah. something pretty nice for your reel right now so you know you're I uh think, i think you're ahead of the game the underrated advantage to going to a, a specialized school whether it's tech school or film school or um any sort of creative type school like that i think it's just you get a lot of time to focus on doing what you want to do you know if I had went to screenwriting school for two years, that's at least two years where I wouldn't have to be in the sugar game and kind of have the excuse of being a student. You know, if, if, uh, if I'm, you know, after work trying to write a script, people say, oh, come on, it's, you know, you don't have to write a script, and you kind of don't have to, but if you have, like, two years, you can really, I don't know, get into it more. But I'm very happy with the route I went, and I do feel like I had a film school experience and capable of producing some other stuff, which we've done. Um, and hopefully a lot more. Now, after after all this time we've been talking to you, <clears throat> have we have we really even given a synopsis of of what this film's about? Yeah, I think yeah, we Blake hit us with that kind of kind of towards the top. Okay, I just wanted to make sure you know I didn't want people to be sitting here for you know after all <laughs> this and go, well, what is this movie about? Yeah, I think that may be when I was doing some tech stuff. Well, <laughs> we'll put it in show notes, but um, uh, you we know, can I, I, rundown of the characters maybe because characters really are what made this movie. Yeah, let's um, do that. Can you do that for us? Yeah, okay. So we have Bill Stevens, who's a stay-at-home dad, um, who's trying to win the championship to get back some respect from his wife. And then we have uh, Maddie Sims, who I mentioned. He's a recent college graduate, played by Jeremy Redley, who uh, kind of doesn't really know what he wants to do with his life, but he's sort of like a rock, paper, scissors prodigy, like the Kobe Bryant or Tiger Woods he's referred to, but without the sexual handle. <laughs> Um, and that was written before Tiger Woods Scandal. That kind of worked out well for us. Um, then we have, uh, we have Frank Johnson, who is a over-the-hill RPS athlete who has arthritis and is recommended by his doctors not to play rock, paper, scissors. Um, and so he will go to any length to keep playing the game, even if it's illegal and immoral. And we have uh, The Rock, who is a character who only throws rock. I love oh, that guy. That guy, that was that was um that was great. I there there there's this show on on NPR called This no. American Life and there was they did this episode on gambling one time and how gamblers yeah. psych each other out. There is and this one guy, they were going to do rock paper scissors for like $2000 and one of the guys yeah. said, "I'm going to throw a rock." Told the other guy. The guy goes, "Okay, I'll do paper." And then the other guy starts to kind of get nervous because he's like, well, wait a second. What? You know, it psychs him out perfectly sure. because he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> well, the guy ends up throwing rock, well, just like he said, and the other guy ends up throwing scissors. And, you know, um, it, it, was, it was just funny. But I, I loved seeing that and that that guy was able to get that far on just yeah, rock. He's a champion for only throwing rock. He, uh, obviously, rock, paper, scissors is very much a psychological game. And uh, Devin Trey, who many people recognize as Buzz from the Home Alone trilogy, or I guess just two movies. Thank you. Um, 
he uh, he would cite someone out with some trash talk, except he's a mute character who never talks throughout the movie, <laughs> which was kind of funny because uh, Devrin is a very uh, chatty guy, and it was nice to get him to shut up for 30 seconds when we shot the film. But uh, he's unbelievably hilarious, and he did such a good job for a character who has no in lines. <laughs> um, then we also we had uh, Sarah Wheeler play Anna Carlson, who was a beauty queen, who was a... Uh, her, she was, you know, based off of like a kind of prototype. Her agent thought she was pretty, so he just threw her in there. She was extremely um, cute, by the way. Yeah, very cute, sweet girl. We had uh, Leslie Hanahan, plays it, uh, played by Susan O'Connor, who's uh, a feminist. She's also a self-proclaimed Renaissance woman. Which um, I, she, I liked her because she was so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she was just yeah. like, ah. I mean, it almost felt like uh, you wrote that role for like an Amy Poehler type. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was hard because she did, did exactly what we wanted, which was be annoying. And that, you know, it's like playing a villain in a movie. Everyone hates you, but yeah. that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. So, she, I mean, she, she hit, she was a home run because I was just like, like, oh, I just, I want this woman to lose. And it was funny because I was going, I hope. I just gave part of the yeah. plot away. So dude, I'm sorry. Dude. <laughs> dude. I'm sorry. Bleep that out, Brad. Okay. I hope that okay, it's purely to see who wins because, you know, it's, it's the journey of the movie, not the destination. Thank you. I, I will admit, uh, I will admit, Blake, to being to being uh, surprised at, at who won the, the, the tournament. Yeah, I was too. And, and, and that was refreshing that I was surprised about it, you know. I thought I could see it coming yeah. a mile away, but I was I was just... I thought that was awesome, actually. All right, great. You know, it's hard for us to figure out whether we're giving too much away or you know, how we play because we know the whole time. Yeah. So, how did you uh, how did you decide who the winner was going to be? Um, I think we just kind of like the same way you fill out a bracket in March Madness, which, as I said, we were writing it then. We kind of just put people together, and you know, Jonah and I talked out, you know, how each person would play it and what we thought would happen. Nice. Now, um, uh. I guess we were surprised by the ending as much as anybody else would. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, uh, yourself and Jonah, uh, did you have any kind of clear delineation of writing duties? I mean, you know, <laughs> did you, you know. You duty? said duty. I know. Did you write particular characters or was it just a true collaboration? I mean, how, how did two people write one screenplay? Like, how many duties did you guys have a day? Stop interrupting, Frank. <laughs> well, it's a very unique experience to write with somebody else. Uh, I mean, back since then, Jonah and I have written, I don't know, seven scripts or we've written a ton of scripts so our style has changed a good deal. Um, and we obviously get along well or we're happy with the product. Um, but back then, back then, I had I didn't even have a Final Draft, which is the program everyone uses to write screenplays. I wrote um, all my stuff on Microsoft Word and Jonah would put it into Final Draft. Okay. But, uh, you know, we talked up or we basically talked about every character and kind of said what kind of scenes, like in this scene, uh, Frank should be embarrassed, or in this scene, Frank should get in trouble. Um, and then we split up characters, and we each wrote different ones, and then we uh, spent a ton of time together hashing it out until it felt like it was written uh, all the stuff, and it felt like both of our voices. I think that we did a very good job of that. I, I don't feel like it's a... It's a Jonah Tone or Blake Tone to certain scenes that we may have originally written on our own. Uh, <clears throat> back to your your list of characters you were talking about. Did you did you ever get yeah. to the 
to the black guy. I can't remember his name. Uh, there's two more. There was uh, there's Bruce Wong, who's played by Kong Sim, and he's uh, an Asian bathroom attendant who loves numbers, and he uses statistics. Yeah, that guy was to, funny, uh, too. And that was kind of based off of the like that sabermatic movement in baseball where everyone loves statistics now, and that's how teams make all the decisions. But then the last one, who's generally the fan favorite, is uh, Mike Brett, who plays Leon Washington, who's a trash-talking street hustler <laughs> who uses his uh, trash-talking skills to win uh, rockets to this tournament. Now, did you did you write the uh, did you write the language that uh, uh, that uh, Mike Britt used in this movie, or did you kind of let him run with that? We we wrote the language. Okay. He, I mean, he definitely threw in some of his own, his own uh, profanity, but um, let, me, let me take it back when I said that there's nothing that's like a Blake tone or a Jonah tone. I think the Jonah tone is very active in Mike Britt's. Uh, Slang, uh, <laughs> uh, he did a good job. That nice, yeah. Because I just uh, uh, it, it was interesting. I mean, there's uh, uh, there's some language in this movie. Um, uh, that's really the only thing that would uh, that would that would push its rating uh, up. Um, but uh, but yeah, the language coming out of uh, <laughs> Leon Washington is uh, it can kind of blister your ears at times. <laughs> so I just I, I was I thought that was it was interesting uh, to you know to have basically. You know, uh, one character uh, ruin your, uh, your your PG rating. You know, <laughs> but I think it was really good. I think that uh, the mockumentary and documentary genre is always very close to uh, being in danger of maybe being boring or slow. Okay. As much as I love mockumentaries and documentaries, and I felt like every time it comes on the screen, shouting and screaming and cursing kind of like wakes you up and gets you back into it. And that was we were very conscious of that during the editing process of trying to space out his appearances. To, uh, people on their toes nice now were you worried about uh um the the style of uh you know this this i i don't want to use the term mockumentary but you know i i, I guess I, I i guess we will what the hell um yeah. you know for lack of a better term here um uh, were you worried about that style um you know getting old or or you know becoming repetitive or anything you know in a movie that was uh, feature length because you know the office does it and it's a 22 minute chunk with some uh, some potty breaks tossed in between um, this yeah. is, you know, 88 minutes. Uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember exactly what the running length is. But uh, but basically, you know, it's it's at an hour and a half. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously there's there's no commercial breaks. Um, I mean, how did, how did you kind of yeah. uh, uh, reconcile that? I think that we, it's definitely something that we are conscious of and we're very uh, maybe nervous about or at least thinking about when it was in the script phase. Okay. Uh, we considered doing some other options, you know, doing some more action scenes, try to get across what was said during the uh, talking head monologues. But it was just for budget reasons we couldn't do it. So okay. once that became the answer, we kind of just said, all right, this is how it's going to be, so we better learn to love it and just not look back. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about production and stuff like that. Uh, you know, we, we can go through the whole process of production and then post. post. Um, what was your production like? What did you... Uh, uh, how long was it? What format did you guys shoot on? And, um, you know, who was your DP? Who was your lighter guy? All that stuff. Um, we, we uh, very early on, uh, not very early on, because it all happened pretty fast, but uh, prior to production, we brought on Peggy Easton to be the executive producer, and she had a lot of contacts in the New York area for people that would uh, eventually be on our crew. So she was instrumental and in, you know, we didn't know anybody. We didn't know any GPs or sound guys or anything like that. Okay. Uh, 
The DP, though, was uh, Mike Waslewski, who actually is from Texas. He was the only person in the cast or crew who wasn't from New York. And uh, interestingly, he, he had had a daughter like two days before we started production. So he <laughs> was on our set like during the uh, formative infant days of like his uh, child's growing Was it up. his first child? Uh, yeah, it was his first child. Wow, I can't man. That's I commitment. Uh, so he's a very committed guy. We've uh, actually worked with him. We did. We just did a documentary about ultimate fighting. Not a mockumentary documentary, and he DP'd that. Called such great heights, and he did a good job. He's, so he's obviously a very committed guy. Um, and uh, let me see. Who else? Who else? Uh, and uh, so I said earlier that Elizabeth Jameson did the casting. The uh, our art director was. Uh, Mari, well, I guess her real name is Maria Clara Zazaro, but we call her Mari. Uh, she did a really good job. She came in early on. We, you know, everybody that we met with that ended up working with us, we had to kind of tell the deal, like, you know, this is a low-budget movie. We, we'd love to spend more on certain things, but this is what we have. And, you know, we, we met with some people who you can kind of tell were, didn't really like that idea. But, uh, you know, everybody that we ended up working with was in on the same page and that's really what made it kind of cohesive and work so great um and then a couple of guys uh grant he's moan and dave mcgrath were uh ad's and they ended up very good friends of Donna and myself and uh oh one of the uh the most instrumental people to our production was uh my favorite my brother dylan harris who was uh, a pa and uh, so we had him do all the heavy lifting. <laughs> he had no idea what he was in for. He said, uh, he, I was like, Dylan, I'm doing a movie. Uh, can you help out? And he's like, sure, I'll do whatever you want. I'm like, really? You want to you wanna be a PA? You'll do whatever I want? He's like, definitely. Came home from college, did one day. It was like a, you know, 14-hour day. He was, uh, he had like just driven like 12, 12 hours home from college and then, uh, he came back the second day, like, burnt out, kind of mad at me for, like, <laughs> into this. And then uh, we told him to take the next day off, and, you know, like, you're doing us a favor here. We don't want to kill you. So he took the day off and came back for the rest of the – it was a three-week production. He came back for all the rest of it, and he was he was awesome. He was, he was so good. Too cool. Now, did you uh, did you literally uh, uh, shoot the entire movie in this three-week period, or did you kind of do it in pieces? We shot, um, we sh- we shot like, 90% – no, probably like 95% of the movie. Um, as you guys know, the movie has like a lot of cutaways, um, a lot of a lot of things that took a long time to set up and are only in the movie for about one or two seconds. Right. Um, we shot some of that stuff like just over the summer. Okay. You know, we would, John and I would get together on the weekend, and Dave McGrath uh, did the uh, DP work for that. Did a good job. Okay. So, but but all the uh, the the A roll, uh, I guess, uh, was uh, was shot uh, in, in one three week uh, marathon. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. That's cool. Hey, um, um, let's see. Uh, so, uh, what I I was kind of wondering. I, I have a couple questions uh, before uh, before my little tablet uh, for my uh, my my iPad runs dry. But uh, I was just kind of uh, curious. Um, yeah, we, we talked about the the fact that um, uh, it amused me greatly that you had. Uh, rival leagues, uh, you know, the, the coin flip league uh, versus, you know, you, you talked about other RPS leagues out there. I'm just wondering how fleshed out was this world. I mean, I, I can't imagine you went Tolkien on it or anything. I mean, 
my guess is you don't have enough notes for you know your son to pick it up and you know finish uh you know finish the trilogy out for you but uh you know how much how much time did you did you put into uh creating uh you know the, this world that these people live in um not i mean not an extensive amount of time we don't and i you know when we came up with the idea during the softball game we thought it we had, we had invented the sport of rock paper scissors so then we quickly found out that there is a league in canada called the world rock paper scissors league there and, really uh, is wow that's awesome <laughs> i mean it, it, this is in real life huh there's a real league and uh they're pretty serious about it and uh and i just remember they had like a trailer on their website and we played and i played it and i was like I was blown away by how funny I thought it was. Jonah was like, ah, well, we'll come up with something so much funnier. And he was right. We, I mean, not to say that their stuff wasn't funny, but you know, there was a documentary, and we got to use all sorts of production values and stuff to make it Those Canadians. a little funnier. Um, but so the World RPS League, who I've actually been in touch with, and they've, they they have been supportive of us, which was really nice. So they endorsed your, your movie? <laughs> That's Wait, great. What you they, they, so they endorse your movie then. And then uh, there's also the uh, there's the USA RPS league. Uh, there's there's a there's a league that was I think started by Budweiser that takes place in Vegas. Wow. And uh, the world RPS guys think that's like the commercialized version of rock paper scissors, and they don't like it. So they, they look sub- down at it. That's funny. God, what a subculture! That's amazing. So there really is a little rivalry between the two of them. I don't think there's. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is tremendous! I had no idea. You know, by the way, uh, uh, Canada uh, for those uh, uh, listeners out there who don't know it is America's hat. So <laughs> we're, we're we we love little Canada, and and I mean, I what about Canada is not amusing. I mean, what, what a great uh, what a great source for uh, for frivolity and, and quiet smiles to yourself and toques. So. Uh, uh, I my I guess my uh, my final question uh, for you, um, you know, unless something just organically happens, is uh, did you guys did you have a favorite or a least or a hardest scene uh, to write or to shoot? I mean, it was was there one spot in the movie that just felt like it shined and it, it just did exactly what you wanted, or was there a part in the movie that you know that you guys just just about wanted to wrap the production you know over? Yeah, definitely. Um, one of my favorite parts of the movie is. Uh, the, well, we find out that the marketing director of the league, David Sandberg, played by Ben Foster, is, uh, has had some trouble at his previous job, and he's taken on as a favor by uh, Matt Arkin, the commissioner of the league. And uh, one of my favorite parts is when we find out that his previous job that he got fired from was marketing the Iraq War. Yeah, so, that was... <laughs> so, we... Uh, so... One of my favorite things to write was that uh, basically we made a movie trailer of trying to make the war sound sexy, and uh, <laughs> so and we licensed the rap footage, I'd... and we're in the studio in the you know in post production we did we had the uh, voiceovers read, and uh, one of the voiceover artists Zach Fine who does a lot of movie trailers happens to be in the studio at the same time and he thought it was really funny and he's like mind if I try it. So we got a real movie trailer guy to do. Wow, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> that's great. And I did uh, the uh, uh, the first time I, I saw that scene. I was, uh, um, you know, it's late night and you're you're kind of you know you're you're kind of in, you're kind of out, you're paying attention to a couple different things at the same time. 
And yeah. for about a half second when that thing started, I was wondering, did did like the dog walk across my remote and hit stop? I mean, am I like on the history, you know, military history channel or something? <laughs> it took me a couple of seconds to realize that nope, that's uh, that's part of the movie. I mean, it just I I thought that uh, yeah. that that was one of my that was one of my favorite parts. I mean, it just and my, my my least favorite part of the production was the uh, entire finals experience. So obviously, the end of the movie ends with a you know 15-20 minute rock paper scissors tournament. That, uh, that we have, that was the only day that we had all the actors together. We also had to try to bring in as many friends and family to be fans in the audience. Um, and that was just the longest day. We ended up running like, I think like 24 hours. And that was, wow. it was just, it, it was, you know, asking an actor who's been on set for 24 hours to deliver their lines and, you know, you, you want them to look good. Yeah, and, and act like they haven't done it, you know, 60 times before, too. Yeah. And, I mean, the production, it was, uh, you know, our crew was about 12 people, and it was really nice because we got to work individually with each actor. We filmed most of, you know, we would have like a, like a, each one day for each actor or two days for an actor. And so we really got to know them. We got to be, you know, we were all on the same page. We got to uh, really have a lot of fun with the scenes, kind of. Like I said, John would do the, the straight takes, and then we kind of play around. But that day it was like we had 100 people who wanted to leave, but they were doing us this huge favor of coming to White Plains to uh, to Penville College to be fans. And then we had the actors who wanted to leave, and we we didn't want to be there. And we're telling people, you got to stay. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 interesting how. Uh, um, how little relative glamour there is in the actual making of a movie. I mean, you know, people, you know, people, you know, I would, I'd give my left arm to be in the movie business. It's like, yeah, you want to spend eight hours setting up one shot. You know, it's like, uh, be careful what you wish for. I, I was actually working on a, on a music video today. And, um, you know, there, and there were a lot of people who were really excited about being there. And about within about 30 minutes, they were ready to leave. Yeah. It's just because nothing happens. Just, you know. Americans just don't have, uh, you know, they don't have attention spans these days. I, I got to, uh, I was on set for uh, uh, the, uh, the fake talk show shooting uh, for uh, the movie Bruno. And uh, that was a 15, almost 16-hour day for us. And uh, I... I got to see uh, Sasha Baron uh, for just a, a couple of moments. I, I, I was uh, A2 on it, and um, uh, he asked me if I was having fun. I said, man, I'm having a great – this is one of the, you know, the best days I've ever had. But at the end of it, you look back and you go, that was great, but that was 16 hours, and people making movies, that's kind of their life. I mean, whether for three weeks or three months, I mean, you're talking you know, 16-hour days, probably just about minimum you know, through the entire process, and you know the – the, the fortitude you've got to have to you know to live through something like that is pretty impressive in my book. When he asked, when when he asked you that question, did yeah. he did he do it in character as Bruno? Uh, he was he was still dressed up in his Bruno gear. And no, he no he he talked to me in his normal uh, Sasha Baron Cohen voice, not his Bruno voice. Is, does he have an English accent? Uh, it's it's very light. Okay, it's, it's okay. not it's not a Cockney accent. I got right. not, you know it's like no. I, he didn't. You Are know, you having fun? Yeah, I didn't expect. No, it's not. It's no Austin Powers. I didn't expect him to, you know, grab his uh, his chimney sweep apparatus and right. you know go do a musical or anything like that. Um, yeah, sorry, not trying to self-aggrandize myself. No, no, at the, uh, at the expense of our. There's uh, a our, lot of there's a lot of hurry up and wait in yeah. in video and film production that people just don't realize happens. 
Yeah, that's why I've always I've always enjoyed uh, doing live uh, live television because guess what? You got a start date, you got to stop, or you got you got start time, you got to stop time, and uh, that's it. You know, uh, you don't have to worry yeah. about uh, doing a sixteen hour day unless it's built in your schedule. And God help you if it is. There was a, I was reading the William Goldman book, the screenwriting book, Adventures in the Screen Trade. He made a comment that the most exciting day in a person's life is their first day on a film set, and the most boring days of their life are every day after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great um, yeah that's a that's a great quote because it is true. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. cool. So, uh, is there uh, any? I mean, I I hope this isn't too trite a question, but is there any advice you would have for? Uh, you know, an aspiring uh, filmmaker? Um, well, kind of what you guys touched upon, that I, w- I would say, though, very biased, that the making of a movie is much more useful than, you know, maybe going to film school, though. I haven't gone, so I can't say. But I, there's just no experience like having to do that and having 16-hour days, and then during that 16-hour day or during the couple hours of sleep, I mean, before sleep, trying to plan out the next day, it was just, you know, it was really tough. It was, you know, it really broke me in and made me. I, I was capable of things I didn't know I was capable of. Nice. Um, and uh, and I think that a really big reason that we were successful was just the cast and crew were all on the same page. So I would recommend that, you know, when you're starting to put your movie together, whether you know you're just looking for someone to write it with or looking for somebody to hold the lights or, you know, even be a PA or act in the movie, just make sure that you're on the same page because any problems that you have in that initial period are just going to probably manifest themselves. And, you know, to be as hard as the experience is, you, know, you want to look back and have fond memories. And if you, if you work with people you like, you're going to have fond memories. Yeah. I think uh, one of the one of the, the most uh, – uh, one of the most important things a director can do is to make sure that uh, his or her vision is uh, is clear to everybody involved, uh, which I think is my fancy way of saying what you just said. Um, uh, now, I'm, I'm also uh, curious um, uh, how the uh, how the editing process went. I mean, did, have you guys? Um, uh, how long did you? I mean, editing you know editing a movie um, you know certainly can. You know, the the best director in the world could be made or broken by a good or a bad editor. But uh, um, uh, did you uh, um, and you you did have an editor uh, for this? This wasn't something that you went in and started trying to figure out how to you know cut tape together. Um, but uh, how long uh, did you spend uh, on it? We we actually edited the movie ourselves. Oh, okay, okay. I know. Uh, we have an alias listed on our uh, in our in our credits, but. That Jonah did the bunch of the editing work. He, okay. Sort of how we originally came together is Jonah had a film background in school and I had a fiction background in school. So originally he he was more like the film guy and he he's very great. He's a very good editor. So he did a lot of the editing. I was there to help him. Um, but yeah, that's that is where the film is made or broken. One of the big one of our big decisions was we originally had. I mean, there's, there's a lot of characters in this movie, but we had another character who was a magician, a Polish magician named Milos. Okay. And uh, he had won the online qualifier, which uh, we thought was pretty funny because I didn't really know how you play rock versus mm-hmm. online. And he was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was trying to come to America. He actually is in the movie. He's the, the foreign competitor who's trying to trying to get the visa. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. The chicken sandwich. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> Yeah, I, 
Is, when the movie was excessively long in an hour and 50 minutes, he was, uh, you know, his 15, 20 minutes were in there. Oh, that's too bad. Um, so that was a tough decision. Yeah, it's, to, it, uh, as, as an editor myself, it's always been my theory that, uh, you know, uh, editing editing a, a movie or, or a TV show or something like that is kind of like, especially a movie where you're not, you know, you're not conscripted to a, an exact length. Um you know, it's kind of like uh, um, painting a painting. I mean, you're never finished. You just have to be done at some point. I know. It's uh, so, I mean, weird. Like, yeah, there's, I mean, you could. You out, could out the best part, you know, it's great that Warner Brothers released our movie and that it's available in so many homes and hopefully some people watch it. But I think the best part might just be that, all right, it's out there, so it's done because we can't change anything. I mean, yeah. <laughs> after all this time of changing it, like, it's nice to just me and Jonah actually not have to think about more. Yeah, there's always like you know, there's always things you can think about. Always things to try to change. You could always George Lucas it. You could always go Good and, and uh, do the ultimate version. You know, a couple years down the Good road. Good point. Hey, you could have uh, Alan Pope shoot first in the uh, in the sequel, or the sorry the the, the requel. Hey, um, I wanted to ask uh, what uh, what editing system did you use to uh, to cut it together? Nerd question. <laughs> we use Final Cut. Final Cut Pro. Okay. Oh, that's too bad. It's a very affordable cut. system compared to like you know if you can't afford Avid. Yeah, I, I'm an Avid snob, so I always like to <laughs> like to ask. <laughs> I mean, I use Final Cut also, but I prefer Avid. But um, it is yeah. it is expensive. Yes, yeah, I, I grew up I grew up on Avid too, but but there's you know few differences between that and Final Cut. What were you going to say, Blake, about Final Cut? Which uh, I just said it's all I know, so I'm yeah. very happy. Yeah, I mean you you go with what you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, uh. Final Cut is uh, so there's like some of glitches. We one time John and I spent three days absolutely stressed. We were trying to finish the movie, and all the music in the movie was so much lower than the dialogue. And you know, we raised the levels. We did. We burned about thirty different CDs trying to change things in Final Cut Pro to, to try to figure out like why are the levels of music so low. You know, we deleted different songs, maybe just one song somehow changing all the music tracks. And then in the end, there was no solution. It was just going to just copy and paste it into another timeline, and all of a sudden it worked. So, hmm. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah. That sounds like the life of an editor. Every, <laughs> I don't know why, I don't know how I fixed it. I just know I, I fixed it. It doesn't matter what <laughs> what you use Avid, Final Cut, uh, Pinnacle, Adobe Premiere. I mean, all, they all got their quirks, you know? It's all crazy like that. Well, Blake, we want to thank you so much for being on the show. Did you have another question? Uh, no, I, I just uh, I would like to just say that uh, I, I appreciate um, uh, appreciate your interest in uh, in our show. Um, um, I'm oh, definitely gosh. interested in uh, um, you know following your career, and you know we um, God, we wish you nothing but luck with this. I mean, you know, it's 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 definitely um, it's definitely something um, that. You know, you have to commit to and take a really deep breath, and you know, you just dive in. Uh, and if you if you decide to start thinking about everything that can go wrong or how much work you're going to put into it, you might never get off the couch. So, you know, congratulations uh, for you know for pulling this project together, and you know, hopefully, uh, you know, making the first of many dreams come true and all that. So, you know, good job. Thanks so much, guys. For yeah, having me. and 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 you know, overall, I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, again, uh, um. 
it's it's super easy if you guys uh uh i thought the trailer uh the first thing we saw uh was the trailer when uh, we first started corresponding with uh blake yeah and uh i thought the trailer was just nails man it was just it was great and you can go you can just you know you can youtube um, you know, I'm sure we'll put this in show notes, but you can just sure. go. You, you can just go YouTube Flying Scissors trailer um, if you want to see that. Uh, it's even in HD. You know, if you're an HD snob like we are, um, and that's probably a darn good intro. Uh, you know, for those of you um, who are wondering, you know, whether you should uh, go plunk down some hard-earned money for, uh, um, you know, the on-demand. Uh, but uh, you know, I'd say, uh, what the heck, you know. Um, people live a little, you know, go, uh, check this movie out and, uh, give, uh, give Blake and Jonah some love and, uh, you know, maybe we'll, uh, get to see them, uh, you know, maybe they'll be the next Judd Apatow and then, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll have, uh, we'll have some major in with a major, uh, movie, uh, uh, maker. So that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> you- well, thanks so much, guys. Hey, it was our pleasure, man. Um, hey, uh, sorry to, uh, uh, sorry to keep you from uh, seeing the first hour and a half of the Oscars. On the plus side, now he'll be able to fast forward through all the commercials. So that's a win. <laughs> Very good. Good, uh, good luck with the movie. Hey, Blake, thanks so much, man. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right. Bye-bye, Blake. Well, that was fun. That's always fun. That's cool, like man. That. I, we, I don't think that uh, – I, mean, I like – I like the format of our show, but uh, I really like when we involve other people, you know, other humans. and It's not just us, you know, looking at each other and making Google eyes <laughs> and occasionally being funny. Yeah. You know, what I like is I'd, it's cool to talk to uh, creators, and I'd, I'd like to see us do a little bit more of that myself. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's always nice to get insight on because a lot of people are interested in, you know, how movies are made in the process. And, you know, and it's always nice to talk to someone who's actually yeah. been on on that side, especially on that level of, you know, st- I imagine there was a lot of struggling yeah. and, and scrimping and trying to, trying to, you know, at, at that level, you have to make compromises. And, you know, what is the compromise going to be for, yeah. for this scene, for this moment, for and this, for the final project? Yeah, and know? that's a very realistic level. I mean, you know, if, if anybody out there is going, man, it's my dream to make a movie someday. You know, then this is, you know, something like this might be, you know, where you start. So hopefully, uh, you know, what uh, uh, Senor Blake uh, talked about uh, might be applicable to uh, uh, you uh, movie-making uh, boys and girls out there. And, you know, I, I would suggest anyone out there listening who wants to make a movie and, you know, they're thinking, hey, you know, I should go to film school and stuff. You know, the best film school out right now is is what you can you can bet you purchase at Best Buy. You know, buy a, a video camera, buy an editing system. Your PC's power enough, powerful yeah. enough to do it, and you are going to learn so much doing it that way. If you're going to go to college, if you want to, if you want to do the film school thing, minor in it. Can Don't I just major in I'm it? I'm sorry to do this, but you got to look at the TV. Ben Stiller just came out dressed as a Navi. Oh, are there? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, wasn't that supposed to be Borat? Borat was supposed to do that. Look at him. Yeah, we talked, a Navi. we talked about this last week, but uh, I thought well, it was kind of cool. Was, yeah. uh, well, they'd uh, there had been some uh, some minor uh, controversy as uh, uh, the plans got leaked for Sasha Baron Cohen to uh, come out and uh, do a little skit where he was dressed as a female Navi, and it turns out that he'd been uh, impregnated by James Cameron. <laughs> Everybody's laughing <laughs> in the audience, well, so perhaps this is funny. Well, so they, they told uh, they told uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. They said, you know no what, way. you Ben you, Stiller funny. Well, they told him that you don't That's need to show up. Uh, 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 I like Ben Stiller. He's he's funny. There's there's things. Captain he's Kirk was just in the audience. Oh Chris wow, Pine. Chris Pine. Oh okay. Well, he's the other captain. You, you need to refer to him as Junior Captain Kirk or something because he's he's not my Captain Kirk. 
You got tweet? He was darn good in the movie, though. Uh, yes. I mean, my computer hasn't locked up yet. Tweet him if you got him. Tweet him if I got him. That's what I always say. I got to plug him in and then tweet him. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the way that goes. Ben Stiller, he even went went all out, man. He's wearing yellow contact lenses. Really? Yeah. That must be painful. Quick, quick. Am I potted up? Yeah. There he is. Move Move the rug real quick. Look at that. Bill's audio Twitter. You know, I don't know what a chafing dish is, but why would you use one for food? (laughs) That's a great observation. That is a very good question. It's, It's all observational. That is a very good question. Yeah, well, so yeah, anybody, that's a horrible name, chafing. Yeah, if anybody knows what a chafing dish is, I'm I'm interested. Yeah. Also, honestly, the same question along the same lines. Yes. If anybody knows what a lemon dish is, okay. Why are you making stuff up? I'm not. My mom got a lemon dish as I'm a gift. Go, I'm I don't go know to Wikipedia right is. now. My mom got a lemon dish as a gift, and and she can't. Oh, by the way, I went to Wikipedia when they were talking about Office. When we were talking about the Office, it is described as a mockumentary situation. Daddy, okay, Daddy. that's Aww. a good boy. Good night, brother. Bye, Sage. <laughs> good night, Sage. And thus endeth the lesson for yeah, the child. Endeth the lesson. That's right. That was Look, cool, there man. He goes. He's running away. Look at me. Hey, uh. Oh, there we go. Look at this. He's up on his tiptoes. He yeah. kind of looks like a I young love Fred. That. He looks like a young Fred Flintstone. Actually, what he really looks like is uh, he really looks like Bam Bam. He does look like Bam Bam. Hey. He does. Not kidding. I like is, his shirt. He's wearing a Spider Man shirt. Dude is Bam Bam. It's got like a spider and webs on the red shirt, and then under his armpits is yes. this netting that looks like spider webs. It's pretty awesome. That's that's tremendous. That dude's in good shape. <laughs> hey, uh, well, apparently your mom is making this up. There's no such thing as lemon dish. There is there is a food thing, you know. Hey, let's have broccoli and lemon tonight. Mm. Okay, but there's a lemon dish. Why is he crying now? I don't know. He was fine. I don't like know. Thirty seconds. Maybe it's ago. because he now realizes that he'd be having more fun in here with us. Thanks to Harold Jennett which is for possible. your wonderful, wonderful yeah, thanks, email. Thanks a lot, Harold. Maybe I should read Appreciate that email it. again, Frank. You think? <laughs> no, once is enough. Maybe I should forward the other emails. You know I've what I want? Along these okay, lines, somebody. I've have gotten. You? I have gotten emails okay. along these lines. Okay, yes. here's here's what I want. I didn't want to share them because Harold, this is for you. Go back in this episode. This episode's not that long. A little over an hour. It's not that big a deal. Go back, and I want you to note for posterity who interrupted and how many times. I want to count. Because I freaking guarantee you, I was not the king of interruptions today. Duh, because we read the email first. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if I had been the king of Let's interruptions Let's see today, if then... episode, if the next episode is as... <sighs> you know, Bill will sleep since, you know, he'll you go to sleep, sleep yeah. since this episode. Yeah. And then he'll wake up and he'll be... You know what, Bill? Yeah. No, I don't. Tell me... <laughs> We tease because we care. Okay. Right? <laughs> yes. That's, that's right. Fine. We love that. Bill. That's fine. Hey, I know where I stand. We knew what we were getting into when we when we promoted you. And they only let me on the show because I bring the beer. To try that's, host. That's why. Excuse me. 
Tryhost. I really like Tryhost. Tryhost. In fact, I'm going to look that up right now. It's not bad. See if uh, Pat Riley is. Tryhost. Tryhost. I like it. Tryhost. Just as one word, Tryhost computers. Yeah. Tryhost.com. Okay. I'm going to go to. um, um, That's interesting. Merriam-Webster and see what she has to say about it. Yeah. Hey, by the way, uh, I don't know if this requires an intro or anything, but uh, uh, last week's uh, word of the week. Uh, I want to. I want to do yes. this housekeeping. Yes. What is it? Last week's word of the week um, was uh, cataphract. Cataphract. C a t a p h r a c t. Apparently, Trihost does not exist. Yes. Yeah. Well, now we just guess it. what? It's nailed. It is now. Trihost dot com. No. Trihost dot org. We Tri- are Trihost. Trihost dot Cataphract. What does that mean? Cataphract. Uh, Will you spell it for me, please? Yes. C a t a p h r a c that uh, is actually i know what that is okay hang on but i don't want to spoil it hang on because i, I thought that uh it has something to do with Ooh. launching kittens or maybe it had something to do with eye problems but mm. actually it was it was totally not what i was thinking uh there's a historical uh tryhost.com is taken by the way the uh accucheck really serious yeah. accucheck compact plus system patient experiments trial Thank you for your interest in ACCU Check Patient Experience Trial Program. This program has ended. I'm not interested in AccuCheck. If you have any questions, please contact AccuCheck Sales Rep. Ooh, listen, listen. I like that. Cataphract. Cataphract. Yes, she uses good enunciation skills. Do you have the dictionary? Possibly the good definition. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, um, I do too. It's right here. Yeah. Uh, Cataphract. There's actually three definitions. Uh, there's actually a number of definitions. The the one definition which I found, which I, I which which made sense, it was in context of what I was reading, was okay. basically uh, full on body armor, head to toe, baby, yeah. big big armor. It's it big it armor. looks like um, Steve Cat Rogers' friend. suit. It has yes. scales. It looks like it's yes. scaly. Um, now the uh, uh, oh. Uh, Captain his, America has a cataphract, huh? Yes, he does. He may. Well, he may have a cataphract over his, uh, his over his shoulders, at least. Uh, now, uh, historically, uh, this has to do with uh, uh, actual uh, uh, horsemen, uh, like uh, infantry uh, horsemen kind of people. And so it makes me wonder if cataphract was intended to be a lighter armor that would not uh, uh, wear a horse down or something. I don't know. That's a good question. So if there are any military history buffs out there, uh, feel free to uh, call in. That's what I say. And I'm right. What about your next word for next week? Um, uh, I've, uh, I've got a uh, word for next week if you'd like to uh, hear it. Well, yeah, that's, okay. that's how that's, it works. That's why right? Brad asked. <laughs> Pop me up, dog. <laughs> are we ready? Hang on. All right. Uh, here we go. Go for it. Let's see. Sorry, I'm looking for... For my notes, where are we? Hang on, I have a word. There we go. Okay. I have a word of the okay. week. I'm ready. Pre-production. To pay. I wasn't expecting this. I, I thought we were going to uh, handle uh, Blake and get out. But uh, okay, I'm potted up in. It's time for the word of the week. Frank, have you been studying? Yes. And now, here's your friendly neighborhood voice. Take it away. This is it. What? New TV forward from the sky. Let's get rich. What? I love that you song. You know what? 
did um did you recognize that voice? I'm surprised we didn't talk about this last oh, yeah. last Crystal? week. Yeah, it was she's, Crystal. She's still she's still working it. She's uh she's she's working on the side. How did you she's, how did you get her to do that? I've got her in my side room. Like That's how it works? Chained? Yeah. Hmm? No, no. She's you never uh, kick a lady out. She's just, um she's just she's just trying to help the show out. Pre-production. You know? She uh. She hated the uh, she hated the idea of not uh, not working with the show, so uh, you know she's uh, okay. She didn't want to work against the show. Giving the dog a bone. That's right. That's right. So this week's word, ladies and gentlemen, is chrism. C h r i s m. It's not quite a prism. Chrism. It's a chrism. It's a chrism. I don't know what it is. It's a crystal prism. I don't know what it is, and that's kind of the whole point of this game. So chrism. We'll find out what a chrism is. Chrism. Unless it's chrism, which is quite possible. Hmm. Did you not look up the uh, look it up in the book and read the? Um, I could. The, but um, the whole point is that this is a tease for next week. Well, but I mean, don't chrism. read the definition. But this read, is the read only how it's reason. Pronounced. This is the only reason listeners uh, actually uh, uh, come back, and uh, that's that's what I'm thinking. Um, close out the segment. Okay, let's close ah. out the segment like this. Imagine if this was the last rhyme I ever wrote, the last words that I ever spoke. Nope, I'ma keep serving them, cause there's somebody out there that never even heard of him. Thank you, voice. Your contribution to the English language is immeasurable, and I for one am enlightened by your verbal largesse. And as for the rest of you, do you feel smarter now? That's on you then. So, Bum, the, only, the only thing that bums me out is uh, that uh, the I, I was I, I put that together in uh, Audacity, and there's no way to uh, you can either fade music all the way out or it can just cut from one level to another. You can't say, okay, you're at minus eight dB here, Marquette. and I want you to go to minus twelve. Uh, no, or you need to use the envelope tool. Wrong. Really? Yeah. You are wrong. Well, my is going to get a lot smoother then. The uh, envelope tool. I'll have you guys show. No, unacceptable. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay, so uh, you want to hear a pronunciation of chrism? Yes. All I right. just did it a minute ago. You didn't hear it? Oh, uh, the official pronunciation. Yeah, right here. Okay. Oh, hang on. Yeah. Quick. Quick. Chrism. Okay. So it's like it it's like someone you who can't then. pronounce the word prism. You okay. do it then. Chrism. I, uh... Am I still... Uh, Chrism. There you go. There we go. You got it. Chrism. Okay. Chrism. There Chrism. you go. So uh, so feast on... Let your brains feast on that, uh, kind ladies and gentlemen of the audience. What else we you need know, to do before are. we... I think we basically um, need to say... Well... I think we good, man. You know, the uh, we, we talked about the Oscars last week, but the Oscars are playing right now as yeah. we speak. Should we make a prediction on best movie? Just, I don't know. Just I can cause. predict that it won't be Avatar and it won't be District 9. Thinking, I'm, you know wow. what? I have this gut feeling that it might be Avatar. That's you really true. think they'll give it to Avatar? I hope yeah, not. I do. Because Avatar, it was, uh, Avatar deserves. I think they're going to best picture to them, and I think I said this already, and then uh, best director to Hurt Locker. Because Avatar deserves um, all all sorts of technological Oscars for this movie mm-hmm. because it was groundbreaking technologically. I don't think anybody can argue with that. Tell me if you guys can hear me swallow. But no, it was not the best movie of the year, not by a mile. You know what? What what do we? What do what do you? I mean, how do you measure a best movie? Is it now? It's obviously not box dollar. It's obviously not not. Not how much a movie makes no, because I, that's, that's been proven be. time and time again. Yeah. But 
at the same time, a lot of people saw this movie and a lot of people really liked it. Well, uh, yeah, but that doesn't mean it was the best movie. I mean, a lot of people, I don't know, I mean, a lot of people like Star Wars, but was that the best movie of that year? I mean, was it yes. better than Godfather 2 or what? I don't know, whatever yes. else is out that year. Okay, cool. Um, in that case, I'm wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the the best movie is... Committee. I, I wonder if it's going to... I wonder if there's any chance that it, the Inglorious <laughs> Inglorious Bastards movie uh, sneaks up a Dark Horse's in. I don't know. I mean, you've also got a serious man, but Committee. I don't think that's going to make it. Um, and that's one of my other, favorite Billy Joel songs. A lot of the other weepy, yeah, the weepy I dramas. I'm not going to give you the time of day on. So man. that also went about suicide, right? The anti-suicide song. Billy Joel wrote. A, I don't know. Billy Joel has always wanted to write an, an anti-suicide song, like "Don't Commit Suicide." Okay, because it's bad. But every time he wrote it, it was always just kind of this. It was depressing, <laughs> so he could huh. never get it. Well, then he got, he came up with with the song about not uh, not committing suicide, and I thought it's something like a serious man or. Well, I, I just can't think. Oh, wait. The, me, the 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 song I was referring to was an innocent man. Oh, I was yeah. just being <coughs> quote unquote silly. That that whole album Hold just. On, right. that, 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 now I want to find it. It wasn't Hold Richard on. Marks bad, but it was pretty much find me a find me a screwdriver so I can poke my eardrums out bad. Which one? I just didn't appreciate that return to the fifties bebop, you know, whatever. It's like you know what? You hey, know what? hey, guess what? You know, I liked that the first time when it was done by Sean on Ah. I I like that album, an innocent man. I, you that know what? and Nylon Curtain, I think are are I, two of my favorite albums. I can't say that they're the best. But they're so much fun. Well, you know, different different colors uh, make the world go round or something like that. And so uh, good for you, but not my cup of tea, brother. Yeah. Um, uh, You're Only Human. That's the song. That's a good song. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was kidding. That's that's the, uh, that's the suicide song. Okay. Or the anti-suicide song. Am I up? That's a better idea. Yeah, you're up. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. You wanna Are we recording? Go, go with it. Yeah, we're recording. Oh, wow. Yeah. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we be recording? Oh, <laughs> it's not like know. it's not like we had to stop in the middle of this and start That's again. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like happens. no, of course not. It's not like we ran out of room or anything like that. Yeah. Like there's an audacity project on the uh, yeah. On the no, you know, was, of course we're recording. There's your only human. There you go. I'm That's really nice. low now. All of a sudden. <laughs> I'm like almost drunk this whole bottle of cough medicine. That means you're healthy. Gosh. That's good. <clears throat> I better. We got an oh, email from man. Blake. You want to read it? <laughs> Do you have it? Yeah. Here, I'll read it. Read it. Guys, it was awesome. I was admittedly pretty nervous all weekend. But as soon as, as we got started and I could hear you, it was a wonderful time. Let me know if there's, if there's any way that I can help the show out. Look forward to hearing to the episode and introducing my mom to the podcast. Best Blake. P.S. For your enjoyment, here's a link to our failed TV show about a talent agent whose clients are superheroes called The Super Agent. And then there's a YouTube link. So my guess cool. is that'll make it show notes too. Yeah. Cool. Well, why don't cool. you play Blake, it? Let's play it. Let's listen to it. Blake was, uh, well, I hope it's something that you can enjoy. You mean enjoy. the YouTube link? Yeah. I hope it's something you can enjoy audio only because well, we'll clearly see. it's I mean, all if we not, got. Then when has that stopped us before? I don't know. Just, that was a Gmail, right? Uh, yes. Okay, let me just call well, it. Well, let's see. He's, yeah, he sent it to, uh, to your half-hour waste. That was cool. So, everybody, when you see the uh, the banner Flying Penguin Productions out there, uh, you know it's uh, you know it's got a lot of heart and uh, love. love. 
There's a lot of love baked into those movies by Flying Penguin Productions. We should have asked them why Flying Penguins. I don't know. That would have been not very interesting. Yeah. Eh, you never know. But that was cool. We, uh, um, well, Blake, I can tell you that it was our pleasure, and uh, I hope uh, I hope you're still as enthused about uh, listening to this. Uh, That was the logo. What happens when... I'm not doing it. I know. Of course you're not. No, definitely not. I was just brushing away my teeth. Right. And then my toothbrush just slipped down my throat and I accidentally swallowed it. It was an accident. I've been uh, representing superheroes for about uh, 10 years. I think... You might be a more productive superhero if you lost a few pounds. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's my... Oh, there you are. One of the guys in the, the movie we just talked about was in the train. Me a lot. There he is. This guy played Frank Johnson's in the movie. Nice. In this tra- uh, trailer. Pretty visual so far. Okay. Talk to us. You think it's funny? It's not funny. Sometimes I order almonds for lunch. That's pretty exciting. I'm having the same experience the listener is because I'm not seeing this either. Awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll just I'll just put the link in there. Yeah, it's pretty visual. You know, um, a, a couple weeks ago we I love I was the concept doing, though. I, I was doing a, a spot where I work and I wanted a a record scratch that okay. sound effect. Yeah, and our audio guy fought me on it. What do you mean? He was going records are obsolete. Oh, shut up! That wasn't uh, that was Bob. How that was Bob. How old that was silent? Guy? That was silent. He's Bob. my age. He's my age. And I was like, Bob. He's the, your age the record and he didn't scratch. understand the humor? No, he he was like, it needs to be something else. And I go, no, the record scratch represents a sudden a sudden stop, a halt, a hitting of the brakes. Right. Something is not right. Yeah. That's what that means. That is a universal sound. People know what that means. Yeah. He was like, it is dated, it is old, you need to find something new. Hey, he was like, well, no, that is the right sound effect for the right why don't, right you, why don't you tell Silent Bob the records are making a comeback <laughs> and that uh, he needs to uh, put that Act- in his pipe and smoke it? Actually, uh, we talked about DJs and I talked started talking about DJs and scratching and stuff. That's he true. I mean, they, they said the, the 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 kids kids these days are getting back into records. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. You know uh, why? Because records have a nicer sound. It's analog. Theoretically, analog will always be will always be digital. Digital I, is a compromise. Hey, in the uh, in the early mid eighties, uh, I had no problem. Uh, Listening, I mean, because there's, there's some record, you know, there's plenty of mu- musical productions that sound pretty dang good on CD. Yeah. You know, I mean, when, you know, the first time you heard Dark Side of the Moon on CD and That's you true. didn't have the, it was a good day, especially if you had a couple of beers first. If you know That's I mean. my, my kind of record scratch. I like that. Heck yes. Take it away, DJ. Take it away, DJ. Let's wrap it right. up. Wrap it up. Well, cool. Like a fuzzball. Thanks again, uh, Blake. Uh, you good kid, and uh, we do wish you success. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So hopefully, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make copies of that movie and just hand it out all over town. Hope we that's need to okay. see how uh, we need to see how uh, uh, if we can get that uh, super agent up and going. That sounds funny. I like that. 
We'll put that link in the uh, in the show notes. In the show notes. You have okay. your bowler plate up? You know, I keep forgetting to bring that. Uh, just remember, let's do a half-hour waste every Monday. God. Legion of Dudes every you Thursday. You talk to this me about pre-production. Uh, Frank, Bill, and Brad at halfhourwaste.com or halfhourwasted at gmail.com. If you want to drop us a voicemail, it is at... 972-798-3830. That's it. That's all we got. We'll see you next week on Half Hour Wasted. I want to know who's the most wrong person to show, by the way. Me. So let's launch into that topic. Who's the most you. what? Wronged. Wronged? Wronged. Wronged. Obviously, it's you. See, watch this. Thank you. Mic down. See? Your mic's down. See? See? That's how that's how we roll. Next week on a half hour wasted. Did you it? Bad robot.